Chapter 1 A Blaze I remember years ago as a child I had a dream. I was standing on my bed, looking out of my bedroom window. The sky appeared gray and somber. I saw a young man with dark hair looking up, staring at me from the sidewalk. Then quick, lightning flashed, striking him, leaving a small pile of charcoal-colored ashes on the sidewalk where he once stood. I awoke. I was surrounded by plastic drapes and hospital monitoring equipment. The air around me smelled like of chicken soup and chemicals. They later told me it had been five months that I'd been in a coma. I was wrapped in layers of white bandages. Third-degree burns covered almost 80% of my body. My journey was just beginning. The doctors painted a grim future for me. They told my mom that your daughter will never walk again. I had lost my hearing in my right ear, supposedly from the blast. I had amnesia. The doctors told my mom not to worry. I did not remember anything. True, I forgot just about everything, but that horrible night of the fire, I remembered vividly, but I kept that knowledge to myself. My right hand was so severely burned, the doctors told my mom that they wanted to amputate. They asked for her permission, but my mom told them no. Little did my mom know the greatest significance and plans God had and what he would use these hands for. I was four years old when my life tragically changed forever. We had just moved to New Jersey, as my mom said, to get away from the violence in the city. We moved from the Bronx, New York. Back in the Bronx, my family had a candy store in the building we lived in. We lived on Kelly Street. We lived up in the penthouse since my father did maintenance in the whole building. Our store was robbed on a regular schedule by the same men. One time we were robbed, one of the men took my sister Julie in the back room. She came out later, crying and bleeding. The man had cut her arm with a knife. One time my father's station wagon's windows were spray-painted black. Around that time, my younger sister Lisa was sick with spinal bifida. So much was happening at that time. My mom decided that we should move out of the Bronx. My mom mentioned that they drove until they decided to stop and replanted the family in South Jersey. So we had moved to Manchester, New Jersey for a better, quiet life. Now we were settled into our new home. This was in 1970, around December, that something seemed wrong. My mom recounted to me years later that she was in the kitchen and saw out the kitchen window a vision. In this vision, she saw a house on fire. She saw that it was her home. Soon after, she was putting cheese toast in the oven. My sister Julie loved cheese toast. My mom remembered Julie coming into the kitchen just as she was putting the toast in the oven. Julie said, Now, Mommy, don't burn the cheese toast. I don't like it burnt. My mom was taken back with what Julie said and looked at her. 
She said she saw death on Julie and knew that she was going to die. My mom was so upset that she told God to take it away. She did not want to see into the spirit realm. It was too much for her to handle. My mom had six children. Julie was the second to the oldest. The oldest was Bill. I came right after Julie, then my sister Lisa, then another sister, Gwen, then my brother Robert. Sometime after Mom mentioned that she would sometimes smell what seemed to be gas fumes throughout the house. Most of my mom's family were from England, and it was common to smell gas fumes through the house, because in England, the gas they used for fuel ran through the pipes throughout the house. So my mom did not think to think much more of it. My mom had gone out that day to visit a friend of hers, who lived up the hill in the cul-de-sac. My father did not want her to go, but she insisted. My mom's friend Blanche worked in the police station as an office clerk. She had a police scanner in her home. My mom said, as she was sitting there in her friend's home at her kitchen table, they heard a report coming over the scanner. The voice mentioned about a house on fire. My mom, remembering the vision of her burning house, said in a panic, That's my house! She said she ran down the road. She could see ahead of her, our house engulfed in flames. She remembers screaming, My babies! The gas leak had ignited and turned our house into a blazing, fiery furnace. It was a five-alarm fire that brought fire trucks racing in from the surrounding towns. I heard that my father had jumped from the second-floor window. My burn injuries were so devastating that I had to be airlifted via helicopter to Shiner's Burn Center in Boston, Massachusetts. My times when I was home from the hospital, my father used to carry me up and down the stairs. Until one day, my mom told him to stop carrying me. My other alternative was to slide myself up and down the stairs. It wasn't long before I started running up and down those stairs. I know that if my mom did not challenge me to walk, I would not be walking today. But the cruelty of kids in school made me so, so sad growing up. Bernie and burnt toast were their favorite taunts for me. I was afraid to let anyone see my scars. I wore long sleeves in the blazing heat of summer and welcomed the chilly winters, for the cold season gave me a good excuse to cover my scars. My mom spent many years taking us back and forth to Shiner's Burn Center in Boston for skin grafts. I spent many Christmases in the hospital because school was out for the holidays. I spent years pouting and complaining to God about my scars. Then an experience in one of my hospital stays changed my view of my situation and started transforming my life. I know now that God has arranged this experience to teach me a lesson. This one particular hospital stay stands out the most and has impacted me in the most incredible way. A young patient was admitted into our children's ward. I guessed he was maybe around 16 or 17 years old. 
when I first saw him, something glowed about him. He was very attractive to me. One of the young nurses on the floor always hung out with him, laughing and talking with him. I found myself getting very jealous. We vied for his attention as I tried to befriend him and spend time with him. The thing that shook me to the core of my heart and conscience was that this young man had no face. The fire had burned away most of his features. He had third-degree burns all over his face and chest. But something shined through. He was so very handsome to me. He seemed genuinely happy. He was always laughing and smiling as best he could because of the tightness and scarring on his face appeared to make it at least a bit more difficult to smile. This was the only stay I didn't mind being in the hospital. He made every day exciting and fun. I remembered near the end of his stay, he told me that he was going home the following day. My heart sank. The day he left, the hospital ward became mundane again. I longed for home. At home, I spent most of my time as a loner. I would eat many of my dinners shut up in my room. It was always hard for me to verbally express myself in words, how's feeling or thinking. I started writing poetry and short stories to express myself. It was a wonderful outlet for me. I could always find the words in prose. I felt a release inside me, and during those times in writing, it was my therapy. I remembered one evening, as words came to me in thought, I started to hear them with melodies. This was new to me. I started writing songs and singing to myself. Words would not come without a melody, so I abandoned poetry and was content with just writing lyrical prose. I still wrote short stories and drew pictures which turned into portraits. I just was led to draw faces. They would be faces I knew. They would also be faces I didn't know. I started writing short stories with illustrations. My stories took me into other worlds. I needed that mental journey because my own world was suffocating with terror. During this time in my childhood, I would have the worst nightmares. I would also see what I knew were demons. I was tormented mercilessly for so long. Then, one day in school, I remembered sitting at my desk thinking about the other kids in class and wondered to myself, how did they handle seeing these things? They all seemed to appear happy, normal, and content. I thought it was normal for everyone to see into the spiritual realm. I remember one incident as kids. My brothers, sisters, and I would stay up all hours of the night playing during the summers. It wasn't a problem for me, for as long as I was up, I didn't have nightmares. I remember one night we stayed up until dawn, and the sun was just coming out. We went outside to play in the yard. My brother Robert was still inside the house downstairs in the laundry room. I remember coming up the side of the house, 
and I saw a brown horse with a rider on it. The rider had on a black cape and hood. I watched as the horse galloped, silently and in slow motion up the hill. I saw the face of this rider under the hood. It had no flesh, and all I saw was a skull. My brother was in the laundry room at the time, and he said he heard something strange. He heard what I saw, and I saw what he heard. Not long after, I remember coming down the hallway, and my mom had taken a call on the phone. I somehow knew what the call was about. She hung up and said that a friend had just passed away. This friend of my mom lived just up the hill. I immediately remembered the horse and rider. I still thought it was normal to see such things and that everyone saw them. I knew my mom asked God to take away her spiritual sight, but I never thought to ask him to do that for me. I honestly felt that there was a reason I saw into the spiritual realm. I sensed this gift was not a curse, but a blessing in some way. I just felt it in my gut. I remember asking God to help me understand what and why am I seeing? I remember after one of my nightmares, I had woken up in bed. This time I just lay there. I was determined not to start my day feeling fearful. I made up in my mind to go back into my dream and make it right. And I was determined not to get up out of bed until I felt peace in my spirit that things will turn out right. I did, and ended the dream victorious and alive. I did not want any of my dreams to end badly. I did not want to be murdered, maimed, falling, or left running in fear. If I was falling, I learned how to fly. If I was drowning, I learned how to swim. If a train was coming down the tracks, I would dart out of the way just in time. Courage started to build up deep down inside me. This is how I dealt at the time with this unique gift that I had had. Little did I know that God would later step in and show me the purpose and proper use of this gift of spiritual insight. But for many years, I still had this one recurring nightmare of the night of the fire. I would see myself wake up in the middle of the night and walk down the hallway, then down the front stairs. I would always try to head out the front door to get out of the house, but I could never get out of the front door. Then in the basement, liquid flames climbing the walls all around me, and then everything went black. This was the one dream that I could never change. It didn't matter how many times I would go back into the dream to change it, to run out the front door. I could never escape the blaze. But I always ended up in the flames. I thought that maybe because it has already happened and it was just a done deal. I would then see myself waking up again from my coma, then the blinding lights and that chemical hospital smell flooding my senses, surrounded by a plastic bubble, 
lying wrapped up in layers of bandages in the hospital ward. Again and again, I dreamed that dream that ended in flames climbing the walls all around me. I would always wake in fear and sweat. True, I may have forgotten many things, but I could never forget that night. There was an incident I would always remember before the fire. It was the night when my little sister Julie accidentally closed my hand in the car door. I remember crying. My left middle finger still injured by that accident. I remember Julie that night. This is the only other memory I have of Julie being alive. Maybe it was to remember Julie alive. Many times I asked God, why did you let me live? The fire never touched Julie. She had died from smoke inhalation. The fireman said, they found her on top of my younger sister, Lisa. Julie had covered Lisa with her body to protect her. The fireman said that Julie's gown protected Lisa from the smoke, and that was the reason Lisa survived. The fireman said when they found them, Julie looked just like an angel covering Lisa. When they moved her lifeless body, they found Lisa alive underneath her. I always tear up thinking about that incident. My mom keeps a picture of Julie from the wake. It is an eerie picture. She also has a small photo portrait of Julie smiling. But I would always think back to Julie's coffin picture. She seemed to be just lying there peacefully. She looked like she was sleeping. Nearly all of our family photos were destroyed in the fire, so I understand why my mom holds on to this picture of Julie and her small portrait. It's all she had left of Julie's image. I still look at it time and time again. I questioned God for years. Why did you allow me to wake up? What quality of life can I ever have? The flames touched me, but not Julie, and she had to die. God would tell me years later that a life was required that night. Julie had her purpose in saving Lisa's life, and I have my purpose for surviving the flames. My story is to give others hope. God had snatched me from the burning flame and preserved my life for His reason and purpose. For many years, I questioned, for what reason? I became Christian years later and continued seeking the Lord. I still needed much spiritual healing concerning the fire. I remember attending a weekend women's retreat the church I had attended at the time set up. I decided to go. It was a blessed time of healing. During the nights, God revealed some amazing dreams, and I knew that he had plans to set me free of some things that weekend. I just knew it. His presence was heavy and tangible the whole time I was there, and I felt his spirit moving. I remember one night we had a prayer circle, and I had asked for prayer. I needed to be healed of many things. 
I remember sitting there with my eyes closed and a vision. It was my recurring nightmare of the fire. One of the women encouraged me to just let the dream play out. So I did. Again, I was walking down the dark hallway and through the living room, and turning and walking down the flight of stairs, seeing the front door that leads outside in front of me. I continued on, turning to go down the second flight of stairs to the basement. Again, I see, at the bottom of the stairs, a closed door. But this time, a bright, shining light engulfed the door. I saw Jesus standing in this light, with his arms open to receive me. I melted and started crying uncontrollably. I told the women around me what I was seeing. Then, Jesus told me, I caught you before you entered the basement. I never went in. I knew what he meant. The enemy wanted to destroy me in that basement. But the Lord stepped in and preserved my life. The nightmare of that night broke off of me, and a deep peace settled within me. My recurring nightmare of that horrible night stopped. To this day, that nightmare has never returned. God did an amazing thing at that women's retreat. Now that my nightmare of the fire ended, God started to reveal for what reason He preserved my life. But before I could get to that transformation and discovery, I had to fight so many battles along the way that would have crushed me if I didn't know that there was an underlying purpose for my experience. Finding my identity was my first challenge. Who was I? I remembered back in school years earlier on one of my classmates' teasing battles. I shot back at them in my mind. Don't you know who I am? As if the nerve to tease me of all people. I did not know where that came from. But I did immediately wonder, hmm, who am I? Little did I know that God was about to reveal who he was and who I was in him. I started searching the scriptures to find out what he said about me and himself. I learned I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loves us. I am the redeemed. I am blessed. I am his child. I sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and so many more things the Lord said about me. I studied and tried to let this sink in until I got a revelation about this. I studied who Jesus was. Yes, he's the Son of God, but he has many attributes, so I studied him. He is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He has all authority in heaven and earth. Jesus said his Father gave authority to him. I let this sink in. So, if he has authority, and he also said that I am his child, and he gave me authority, then I thought to walk in it. Speak his words. 
and expect things to line up in my life according to his word. It began the most powerful transformation in my life. Stuff holding me back started breaking off of me, and I felt a release in my spirit. I sensed myself moving forward, even propelled. During this time, I did not know that I was engaging in spiritual warfare. Forging relationships was next. I would always fight with my brothers and sisters, but that's normal, everyone did that. But these battles would pour into relationships outside the family. Deep down inside, I didn't feel like anyone could ever understand the sadness I was going through. First of all, I felt like I woke up in someone else's body. This wasn't the body I was born with. I didn't want people to see how ugly I was. I started to see that being ugly outside, I made it an excuse to be ugly inside. I knew that this was not right. I would think back to the young man with no face, how beautiful he was inside, that I could not notice his face was missing. I knew that I had to change, but I did not know how. I kept thinking, if I had no scars, I would be a better person. I know now that this was a lie. There are many people who are ugly inside, but are so beautiful on the outside. I used to watch soap operas and saw these beautiful women stabbing each other and their male friends and lovers and husbands in the back. Later on in the years, I stopped watching these shows. I had no excuse for my behavior. When my interest for boys perked, I dated at a distance. I always protected my heart. I would never let them know of my scars. I would hide them as long as I could. But when the relationships would start getting serious and they wanted to get close, I would ditch them very quick and find someone new and go through the whole shallow process again. If I did find someone that I would truly want to be with, I would wait for a very long period of time until I felt comfortable and I sensed that their feelings were sincere. Then I would sit them down for the talk and unfold my story of the fire and the scars that were left on me. I was surprised to find out, many a time, that they would still want to be with me. But, of course, they passed through all the hoops, mazes, and tests that I would take them through to get to this place. I should not be surprised. I did take men through frustration and the edge of rejection before letting them in. It was always so frustrating for me. At that time, I did not know that it was I who was tough on me. I would get responses like, Now, was that so hard to reveal? I don't know why you thought that was a big issue. I was beginning to think it was me. It was a long wilderness journey to get to the point of accepting my scars. I remember a woman once said to me, Love your scars. They are a part of you. This devastated me. It was, to me, as if someone said to a cancer patient, Love your cancer. It's a part of you. I could never see my scars as something to love. Then, one day, God spoke to me concerning my ordeal. 
He said, stop seeing yourself as a victim and start seeing yourself as a survivor. In an instant, he altered my perception and a strength and courage seemed to swell up inside of me. I thought to myself, yeah, you're right, I'm a survivor. Right then, I started to see hope for a bright future and a purpose for my life. I started to remember in school how the girls and even some guys were devastated because they got one blemish or pimple and how they thought their whole world was about to end. I would think to myself, if you had my scars, I doubt you would survive. I started to see the strength that had been quietly built up within me. And without me knowing, the endurance, the faith, the pressing in and pressing on, and the forging forward in life I'd endured. And I am still growing stronger every day. I have courage and a strength that would have never been birthed inside of me if I had not gone through the fire and come out the other side. Today, I share my story whenever the opportunity presents itself. I know my courage can build up the next person's courage or even help them find hope and strength that they never knew they could have.